Hello, I'm glad you're with us, and I hope you're doing really well. Today, I'm talking about communicating to win. And if you think about it, communication is a very complex thing. There are at least six messages involved when we communicate. What you mean to say, what you actually say, what the other person hears, what the other person thinks they hear, what the other person thinks about what you said, what you think the other person said about what you said. It is very complex, and it goes on and on and on. And if you add hearing loss, like I'm experiencing to the equation, it makes things even more complicated. My hearing is going the way of my father, and so I miss some things in conversations. My kids get a kick out of the wrong things I hear when I repeat back to them and clarify what, they, what they've what they said. My grandkids crack up and maybe sometimes get frustrated because I, I can't really understand what they're saying if they're talking fast. Anyway, that that all adds to complexity in communication. George Bernard Shaw said, The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. That is for sure. Communication is a very important skill, especially as a member of a family. But there's also a dark side to communication, which is conflict. Not all conflict involves words, but most of it does. It typically erupts. With words. Have you ever been in a conversation that's going along nicely and all of a sudden it takes a turn for the worse and you're stunned and you wonder what in the world just happened? The wrong word can blow things up. That's the way it goes. So today I'm talking about communicating to win. In family life, all great teams must communicate with each other in order to win and work through conflict to do so. In the NFL, there's usually a coach, always a coach, in a booth with a headset on, and they have an aerial view of the field. They're above the action so they can have a better perspective on what's actually going on. And then there's a coach on the field with a headset as well, and the coach in the booth is relaying insights and giving directions and play suggestions to the coach on the field who relays them to the players, and then the players execute the play that they're calling. The Bible gives us this opportunity to rise above our circumstances and see what's going on with our communication, and frankly, for that matter, a a lot of other things as well. But God's thoughts are much higher than ours, and he shares those thoughts with us, his perspective in the Bible, which gives us this 30,000-foot view of what's going on in our lives. Our community groups are forming right now. And I want to encourage you to join one of our groups that are starting up. Uh, the groups 
center on Bible discussion, and God has used the Bible discussion in groups over and over and over again to help me see what's going on in my circumstances. The, the Bible gives me over and over again through the group discussion this, this 30,000 foot view. It helps me and it help, it'll help you get a better grasp of what's going on in your life. We all deal with barriers to communication and the Bible lays them out for us. Here are a couple of them. First of all, brokenness. Psalm 51.5 says, I have been evil from the day I was born, from the time I was conceived. I have been sinful. The first two humans ever, they chose to rebel against God, and they did what he said not to do, and by their choice, sin entered the world, and it contaminated all of us. It's infected all of us. Because of their sin and rebellion, all of us are born sinners, and because we're sinners, we also rebel against God, our Maker. The Bible says that a willingness to hurt others is embedded in our hearts. If we are completely willing to harm, that's what the Hebrew word for evil is. It means to harm, to hurt. We're willing to hurt others to get our way and it, it, when push comes to shove. This makes family life a wonderful, messy mix of broken people living with each other in community 24-7. We can look pretty good in the eyes of the people we see occasionally, or even perhaps for several hours for a meeting or at work or on a Sunday morning. But our family really knows the score. They know us, and they experience who we really are. In fact, one of the things that marriage and family does is it puts up sort of a giant mirror and reflects back to us our brokenness. A friend of mine, when I, my first child was born, my son, that he said, your baby is going to expose every selfish bone in your body. And I found that to be true. I needed to take care of this baby. And I didn't always want to. I didn't want to always lay aside my interests. And I, I really struggled in that moment. It exposed every selfish bone in my body. And marriage had already done that before. So we can choose to see that family life reflects to us in a mirror what's really going on inside of us. And we can choose to ignore it, or we can make the most of the opportunity to cooperate with God to help us grow through that as we walk forward in life. A second barrier to communication and family life is the difference between men and women. Society is in a place right now where 
We want to believe that all of us are just sort of generic human beings and we're dressed up in our bodies as male or female, but we can really, as time goes on, we can choose our gender. But that's not reality sexually. Our sexuality goes to the core of who we really are. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. According to God's playbook, there are only two genders, male and female. Men and women are both equal in reflecting the image of God and both have equal value before God. But this means at the very core of who we are, since we're male and female, we are different. God made us this way. That's a really good thing. And at the same time, it's a source of all kinds of miscommunication and conflict and challenges because we are so different. Here's a video that points out some of the differences between men and women when we try to communicate with each other. Let's watch this together. It's just there's all this pressure, you know, and sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. That video is kind of fun. It's actually kind of creepy to me. Um, that nail and not paying attention to it, trying to hug, and oh man, that just gets to me. But it's it's a, a an illustration of how we typically can miss each other as men and women in conversations. Men and women are different, and that's good. But often, what God intended to complement turns into conflict. So, we've got to be aware of these differences and then realize they're often at play in the midst of our communication difficulties and conflict and frustrations that are going on. Thankfully, God's playbook shows what is the root of conflict. The Bible makes the root crystal clear. 
James 4, 1 through 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot contain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. The passions at war within us generate conflict in two basic ways. First, through unmet expectations. You desire and do not have. We want something in life and we often expect someone else to give it to us. And when we don't get it, conflict happens. It erupts. Blocked goals are a second source of conflict. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You get your heart set on getting something, and you can't get it, and you fight and quarrel against the people who are blocking your goals. And and that's that's where the frustrations come from. Experts tell us there are five big sources of marriage conflict. Money, sex, work, parenting, housework. Statistically speaking, one of your last marital conflicts was about one of these big five. Whatever you fought or disagreed about, however, it was basically rooted in unmet expectations or blocked goals. You expected your your spouse to do something and they didn't do it, or you wanted something and were blocked from doing or getting it. And that's that's the source of conflict. Sometimes our conflict has been brewing for many, many years, and that makes it much more intense. And it's it's like just a struggle to even want to talk about it or focus on it. But at its root, you can trace it back to unmet expectations and blocked goals. How do we move forward as we struggle through the conflict and communication? What if there is so much hurt that we're having a hard time letting it go? That's what forgiveness is. It means to send it away, literally in Scripture, to let it go. God has given, thankfully, the antidote to conflict, which is love and forgiveness. First of all, we must receive it from God. He offers love and forgiveness without condemnation. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Because of our rebellion against God, we all have a broken relationship with him due to sin. We can't do anything on our own to mend it. But this passage tells us, which is probably the most famous passage in Scripture, John 3.16, it tells us that because he loves us, God has done everything we need to mend our relationship with him. 
He's provided it. Our broken relationship brings spiritual death. Our relationship with God, it's cut off, and that we're cut off from the life, the spiritual life that God gives. But whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Our part is to receive Jesus Christ into our life and receive the love and forgiveness of God. We believe in Jesus Christ and we receive God's love and forgiveness. God stepped in to our world to make a way so that we could reconnect with him. Allowing God to mend our relationship with him is the way that we receive his love and forgiveness. And that gives us everything we need to mend our broken relationships with others as we trust him, as we rely on him. The word believe in scripture, uh, it, it literally means to trust to the point where you depend or rely on it. And so this, this is how we believe. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And we believe to the point where we follow him as our Lord and boss. Specifically, the way you make a choice to reconnect with God is to realize the need for forgiveness yourself. Repent of your sin, which means to say you're sorry for the wrong that you've done. And turn around from going your own way to go God's way in life. You you do a 180. You completely turn around. And then you verbalize from the heart your desire to follow Jesus by making him the boss of your life. And this is how you receive the love and forgiveness God has to offer. Taking this step sets us up for dealing with conflict and gives us what we need to give it to others, that is, love and forgiveness. What we often do is we look to our family and friends to meet our deepest needs. When they don't meet our needs, resentment begins to build, and then bitterness can set in, and it, 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 it can be at the root of our heart, and we need to pull those roots out. Only God, however, we're looking to our family often, to our spouse, to our kids, but God is the only one who can meet our deepest needs. And if we turn to him, he will give us what we need that no human being can give. When people don't fill our tank, so to speak, by meeting our expectations or helping us with our needs and our goals, we need a way to deal with the resentment before it turns to bitterness and to deal with the bitterness as it's set in. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. God forgives us when we believe and repent of our sins 
and he fills our tank so we can pour out the love and forgiveness to the people around us. The kindness and forgiveness of God are a heart tenderizer. We're commanded to be tender-hearted in Ephesians 4.32. Marriages suffer when we look to our spouse to meet our deepest needs. And families suffer when parents expect their kids to meet their needs as well. God graciously gives us another option. He gives us a way to deal with the resentment and bitterness, but he also promises to meet our needs as we focus on meeting the needs of other people. Kindness, we're commanded in this passage to be kind to one another. Kindness is helping someone else with their needs, focusing on their interests, their goals, and helping them. It's a total turnaround from our native instincts. It's counterintuitive, but what happens when you show kindness is it's a way to get our tank filled. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Try this out. Look for ways to show kindness to your family, friends, and co-workers over this next month and see how the Lord refreshes you. Kindness means that you look to the interests and you seek to help other people with their goals. When we empty our tank in this way for others, God promises to fill it up. And actually, he's built it into the way life works. But he does so in his time. We're going to need to be persistent. You may have some setbacks. But over time, as you invest, you'll find refreshment and your tanks will get filled up by God. If you stop trying to make sure that your tank's filled up, that's how it works. God has built this into the way life works. I've listed some verses in the handout that you can read on your own. Key scriptures about conflict and communication, and I encourage you to take the time to read those on your own. As I turn the corner toward the end of this message, I want to share some communication tools. These apply to all relationships, but I'm going to focus on marriage and family communication as I walk through them, since um, this is the family edition of the Proven Playbook. First, think the best of each other. When you're in the middle of a conflict, think the best of your spouse. Choose that. It It takes some effort. This is why it's so important to spend time together and to to connect with one another on a regular basis at the heart level in marriage. Remember, this person that you're in conflict with is the mother or father of your children. They have likely sacrificed for you for years, and you're all bent out of shape at them. We should honor one another and show respect to one another. Second, make it your goal to understand rather than be understood. So often, we we just want to be understood, 
And we totally miss understanding what the other person is saying. Men and women are different. And at their core, they just see the world differently. Everyone, however, does what makes sense to them, and we should try to figure out why what they just said or did made sense to them. We need to understand them. Try to look at the situation from their perspective, from their angle. This, this anonymous quote is a good one. There are three words that save a marriage, and they're not, I love you. They are, maybe you're right. I think that's true. Three, commit to clean up when you mess up. If you've done wrong, ask forgiveness for that and, and seek it. Four, don't try to read minds, ask questions, and listen. Proverbs 18.13 says, It's stupid and embarrassing to give an answer before you listen. Guys, I, I don't know about you, but every time I've tried to read my wife's mind, I get it wrong. And that goes the same for anybody else I'm trying to read their mind. I, I get it wrong. I'm just not that perceptive. It goes so much better if I, and it'll go better for you, if you just ask questions and listen to what's being said and try to draw out what's on the heart of the other person. Five, put tech devices down. We live in a distracted world. To communicate, we must eliminate the distractions, and focus our, on our family and the people we're with right now. We often spend more time with the people not in the room with us than we do with the ones who are right there with us. Americans check their phones on average every 12 minutes, 80 times a day. We're checking our phone. Many of us struggle to go without for 10 minutes without checking our phone and seeing what's going on in the world. Focus on the people you're right there with. Six, make eye contact. This is how you communicate value and connect with the people in your life. Seven, be vulnerable. Guys, we, we complain that our wives don't just understand. They just don't understand how hard it is or how much pressure we're under. Well, how can she understand if we never talk about it? It may not be appropriate to share all the details, to gush, and that might worry her <laughs> a little too much, but she will never know what's going on in your head and in your heart if you don't share it with her. The amazing thing is vulnerability begets vulnerability. That's where it comes from. Eight, don't wait to make the first move. Just don't do that. Nine, get help when you need it. If you need help, it's available. Here in our church community, we have people who've walked with God for quite a while, and they are more than willing to help you work through all these issues. I'm giving some game changers at the end of the Proven Playbook messages, and 
game changers are plays that when, you know, as you're, as you're playing the game, they change the direction and momentum of the game. Here are the game changers for turning around our communication. First one, pray. Second, actively listen. Third, ask questions. Four, repeat one through three as needed. And then finally, clean up when you mess up. We're all a messy, broken people. And there's a lot of, lot of hope because God has loved us and forgiven us right where we are. Conflict is normal in this world because we are all broken sinners. Conflict doesn't have to be, though, as hard as it often is. If we would just refer to the playbook and let our head coach, God himself, who's willing to lead us, if we'll just let him lead us, we can grow in we can grow through conflict and we can grow in communicating through it and communication in general. He gives, God gives what we need to communicate and deal with conflict in our marriages and families. I want to encourage a next step to you. Uh, and here, here they are just real quick. My next step today is to choose one thing to apply from this message. What has God said to you? What, what do you want to put into practice? What do you want to take a step of obedience in? And then the next one, sign up for the Practical Parenting Seminar in February. You can do that on your, on your connection card. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the truth in your word that really does set us free. It sets us free. It helps us deal with conflict. It sets us free from resentment and bitterness. God, I praise you for your love, your kindness, and your forgiveness to us. And I pray that, God, you would give us the strength to step out and take the steps of obedience that you've laid on our hearts today to take. And may you be honored and and glorified as we take those steps. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.